Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. Everybody, if you will, be turning to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter. We won't have slides for the sermon tonight, uh, but if you are studying along in the Bible that is in the pew there, it's 1014, 1014, and we'll begin that study in just a few moments. We rejoice that this morning Chris Mattingly was baptized after second service. Uh, in the first worship, Mitch Fox was baptized, and earlier in the week, Gary and Braden Lovett was baptized. What a wonderful few days, and to God be all the glory. We have a lot to be thankful for, and many of you have already put your list up of 100 things. I want to encourage you to continue to bring those lists, even Wednesday night, and uh, we'll leave them up through the next Sunday. And uh, some of you have already mentioned to me that you do it on your phone, and it'd be convenient if you could email it. And so this slide right here, just email it to me, and we'll be glad to print them off and put them out on the wall uh, this next Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, it's just david.shannonmountjuliet.org. And uh, it is neat to be able to you just get to know each other so well when you see what individuals are grateful for. It's a wonderful exercise. Hope that you'll share that even with your family later on this week. We also look forward to Wednesday night. Our deacons will be leading our service on Wednesday evening and all of the classes will meet here uh, instead of the individual classes as uh, most Wednesday evenings. Also keep in mind the elders wanted to mention to you uh, that $3,000 has already been spent, uh, has been given to help in the relief aid in the Philippines. And on December the 1st, this coming Sunday in your Bible classes, you'll have the opportunity to continue uh, to give to the work there. And uh, that exact work that's going, that that money will be used is still uh, to be determined. But definitely it'll be a great work that God will receive the glory and individuals in the Philippines uh, will be helped. We looked a lot this month at contentment. But do not confuse that with complacency. Spiritually, the depth of our contentment is found in the majestic God that we serve. But once we find that contentment, there should never be at, at rest in that relationship. You know what happens with best friends whenever you stop being a best friend? That relationship suffers. You know what happens when parents stop being the parent that they ought to be? That parent and child's relationship suffers. You know what happens when a husband or a wife stops being what they ought to be in that relationship? It suffers. Listen, our relationship with God is no exception. To find that contentment in God cannot be mistaken for some kind of complacency. Oh, I've arrived. Now I can rest. It's over. I'm here. We make the mistake whenever someone is baptized into Christ and they themselves or we as a church family treat them as if now they have arrived and it's over. When someone is baptized into Christ, those of you that cycle, would that be at the bottom of the hill or being baptized in Christ be at the top of the hill where you can just free will down? I believe that oftentimes we picture that coming to the Lord is the uphill and then once that person is baptized into Christ, it's just free willing all the way down. And nothing in the scriptures teaches us that. Do you realize that once we become a Christian, the difficult part of the journey begins? We live on planet Earth in the world. 
We literally are Simon swimming against stream as Christians. When we're baptized into Christ, we take on convictions. We take on a heart. We take on a mindset that is from God that is completely different from the world. And so now, whether it's a newborn babe or any of us that have been Christians for years, we go to work tomorrow. We go out into a community tomorrow where, simply put, we are different. We're swimming against stream. Becoming a Christian is not a downhill coast. Not only is externally it a challenge, but internally it can be a challenge. Christianity is against our nature. Fleshliness pulls and tempts us. Romans the seventh chapter, we learn that to be spiritual people, we have to conquer the fleshly. And so whether we're looking outside or inside, the Christian walk was never described to us to be an easy walk. And so it comes down to this. Are you devoted to it? Are you growing? Just another thought of introduction here. Oftentimes the scriptures, you remember John the third chapter, we're going to have to be born again. The scriptures oftentimes speaks of us becoming babes in Christ. And the passage we're about to read does that. Talks about us being babes in Christ. You see, again, that's just the beginning. What happens if a baby doesn't grow? Well, we go to that doctor's appointment and a lot of time the doctor, he or she will raise their eyebrows a little bit and they'll say, I'm a little bit concerned. I believe that, that your, your infant should have a few additional ounces since the last visit. Let's set another appointment for next week and let's weigh your baby again because there's always concern when there is not growth. Is there concern in our life when there isn't growth spiritually? Do we expect we become a Christian and everything just coasts downhill from there? If so, we're going to hurt ourselves spiritually, individually. We're going to hurt our local congregation. And in that, we'll end up hurting the kingdom. Tonight, I invite you into a passage of 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, where Paul was addressing concerns like that. And I hope this passage does us all well to remember how important it is for us to focus upon our Lord and to never stop growing in our relationship to God. Never stop growing in our knowledge of God's holy word, the scriptures. The third chapter, verse one, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And when one says, I'm a Paul, and another, I'm a Paulus, are you not carnal? Notice in verse one, he addressed them as brethren. But notice also he addresses the challenge. He's implying that time has passed and even though they began as babes in Christ, they should have grown beyond at this point in time being babes in Christ, but yet they're not. 
He says, I tried to speak to you as spiritual people, but instead I'm having to talk with you as if you were carnal. Why? Because you have remained babes. Now pause here. This is important. God never rebuked anyone through the apostles, through any of the writing. He never rebuked anyone for being a babe in Christ if they had just become a Christian. The reason they were being rebuked for being a babe in Christ was because time had gone by and they should have grown, and yet they did not grow. And because they did not grow, they were not spiritual, and they became carnal. They became fleshly. Look with me, if you will. Hold your finger here. We're going to jump over to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. This is a passage that we could spend the rest of the night in, and I'm determined not to do that. And so I want to just point out to you to be looking for <clears throat> comparisons here. He's going to compare those who remained babes too long to those who were spiritually mature. He's going to compare, though, think of three columns here. He's going to compare so those who remained babes too long and those who were spiritually mature. He's going to compare those who are on still, they shouldn't still be, but they're still on the milk of the word and they should have been on the meat of the word. So you can read these columns across this way too. And then notice it's going to create problems for those who are still on the milk. They don't have a proper discernment between right and wrong. And on the other hand, those that feed off the meat of the word are very mature even in the decisions that they make about their life and about conduct. And another huge thing is they're able to be teachers. Let's study this together. We're at the end of the fifth chapter, verse 12, Hebrews 5 and 12. For though by this time, see that's referring to the passing of time, you ought to be teachers, but they're not. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That's talking about maturing. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What happens if I do not grow? What happens if I become complacent? Number one, I will not be able to teach. We cannot teach what we do not know. He says, enough time has gone by, you ought to be a teacher, and yet you literally cannot. Number two, I'm going to tie up other teachers who ought to be out teaching others, but because I don't know anything, because I haven't devoted my life to growth, I'm tying up those teachers to teach me again and again and again. Years ago, one gospel preacher made pretty popular the saying. He would say it something like this. I believe that everybody in the world deserves the right to hear the gospel once. You think about parts of the world right now where people haven't heard the gospel once and yet right here in the Bible Belt, 
we have thousands of people that have heard the gospel hundreds of times and they are still stuck in the elementary things. If we want to look at it in this sense, we could say they don't deserve it. They do not deserve tying up the majority of the preachers of truth in this world in just one belt of geography. They don't deserve it. How about you? Are you tying up teachers? Or are you becoming a teacher? He said the time has come that you ought to be a teacher. But instead the teachers are having to come back and spend more time to teach you the basic first principles over and over and over. And then did you notice at the last verse that we read in that chapter, verse 14, where he talks about those who are of full age, notice that by reason of use have their senses exercised. The word exercise literally means to train. It is the idea of practice. And so they have taken the meat, not just the milk, they've taken the meat of the word and they have exercised it in their life. And he says to discern. You remember earlier this year, we studied about wisdom. And one of the key characteristics of wisdom is that it has discernment, the ability to make judgment. And so when someone is feeding on the meat of the word and they are exercising the meat of the word, they literally are able to make judgments, he says, discernment between things that are good and things that are evil. Pause here. If you're spiritually mature and you look over at someone who is hung up being a babe in Christ, or you even look over at someone in the world and you see them doing something wrong and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, well, they know better than that. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says that babes do not know better. The only way you and I are really going to learn how to live a life of holy conduct is that we are going to have to grow spiritually. And we cannot grow spiritually unless we're willing to feed beyond the milk and that is into the meat of the word. When we go back to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, I'd like for you to note there that Paul made it very clear at the end of verse one, he called them babes, but yet they should not still be babes. He wanted to speak to them as spiritual, but he couldn't. And then he literally says that they were not able at the end of verse two. And in verse three, he says again, you are carnal. Now, how is that going to affect their conduct? We just left that back in Hebrews, the fifth chapter. It's going to affect your conduct. And now Paul gives an example here in 1 Corinthians, the third chapter in verse three. I'll be honest with you. I used to think that this was just some kind of random list where he'd say, well, it affects you in things like this. You might become envious people. You might become people full of strife. You might become people that would create divisions. You see there in verse three, but I believe really he's showing, if you will, building blocks and how those things are going to affect individuals and congregations. What happens if we are carnal? He says, here's what carnal people will do. They won't love each other the way the scriptures teaches them to love. They'll look over at others and become jealous, envious. 
Well, what happens if you're envious of someone else in this congregation that is in another ministry and maybe it seems like their ministry is doing a little bit better. Maybe it seems like they do a little bit more in ministry. What about their house? What about the car they're driving? What about the promotion they got? What about the way they look? You just name it, fill in the blank. What about if, if you're struggling right now with envy? How are you going to deal with it? I'm going to go ahead and tell you the beginning of this sermon and the end of this sermon, the punchline, if you will. The answer to everything that we're studying tonight is grow spiritually. Listen, if envy is eating you up, you need to get deeper in the word of God and make sure that you're growing spiritually. Because what he's teaching us in 1 Corinthians 3 is spiritual people overcome envy by growth. Well, what if you don't overcome it? Well, the next step as we start acting on it, and usually it's with words. Have you been around someone before that they seem to always want to say something negative about someone or anything that that person is involved in? You know what that is? That's the second thing that he's mentioned in verse three. The envy has led to strife, to quarreling. When you truly are envious of someone, it's hard to say positive things about them, but it's real easy to say negative things about them. Envy leads to strife. Now what happens whether you want to describe a friendship, a physical family, or a congregation of the Lord's family? What happens in any of those relationships when envy leads to strife? Almost always there'll be some type of division. Paul's looking at Corinth. And we know from the first chapter and we know from reading the third chapter, they were having some problems with division. And instead of Paul just jumping right in and saying, we're going to talk about division. And he does that, no doubt. But I love the way he really goes to the heart and the root of the matter. And he says, sure, we're going to talk about division, but let's talk about why it happened. You guys became babes in Christ. And that was fine in the beginning, but you didn't grow and instead of becoming more spiritual, you became more carnal because you stayed on the milk of the word. You and I cannot grow and just expect everything to be okay. Let's say that again. You and I cannot grow and expect everything to be okay. Well, my marriage is going to be fine. My wife and I, neither one of us study God's word. We never pray together. We, we, we go to church. But no, we're not on a spiritual path of growth. No, we're not. But we're going to be okay. You will not be okay. Do not believe that lie. You will not be okay if you're not growing. Well, our children are good children. I don't know really if they're growing spiritually, but they're good children. They're not going to be okay. What about us as a congregation? We're either growing spiritually. The culture of this congregation is one of growing spiritually or it's not. And if it's not, we're not okay. And that's what Paul was trying to shake the brethren of Corinth into spiritual awakening. He was trying to get their attention to say, look, you see this division you have? There's a reason why you have this division. You haven't been growing. It goes back to each of you individually so that then you can be what you need to be in unity and wholeness. You notice in verse four, 
they had some division that was taking place around Paul and around Apollos. If you want to flip back a page in your Bible, you see the first chapter in verse 12. Some of that division was also taking place not only around Paul and Apollos, but also Cephas, who we better know as Peter, and then even some of Christ. Isn't it interesting that a part of their division was taking place over you could argue some of the best men that we read about in the scriptures. You think about Peter, probably considered in his day one of the greatest preachers of his day. You think about Paul, considered probably not only in his day, but in any day, probably one of the greatest missionaries to ever walk this earth. You think about Apollos. I don't know any preacher that's received any greater compliment than when in the holy word of God, he is described as a man of eloquent speech and mighty in the scripture. What a combination. Look, their division wasn't over bad men. Their division was because they as individuals stopped growing spiritually. Envy led to strife. Strife led to division. So what was the answer? Just in the last few minutes of this lesson, I want you to notice verse five, six, and seven, and the lesson is yours. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? Now, I want you to notice the humility. You know that Paul is the writer here. And so he's calling them out. He's saying, you're dividing over us? Who, who are we? Notice his answers but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. In other words, he says, you're telling me you're dividing over men. Do you know who we are? We're the ones that we preach. Last part of that verse, what God has given to us. God's given us a gospel. We preach it. God's given us the ability to preach. We use that ability to preach. In other words, Paul says, you're going to divide over Apollos, you're going to divide over Paul, and yet the source for everything we preach is from the same God. The abilities we have, they're from the same God. Why would you divide? Go to the next verse. I planted, that's Paul speaking, Apollos watered. You see what Paulus is doing here? I'm sorry, what Paul is doing here? He's shifting the emphasis. They've been putting the emphasis on the men. Notice, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, notice this humility, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. What if I fail to grow spiritually? I remain carnal, I remain fleshly, and I begin to see things in a less than spiritual way. How would that affect me? Well, I'll start being envious instead of loving. I'll start being full of strife instead of a peacemaker. I'll start being full of acts that lead to division instead of unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133 and verse 1. But you notice that unity goes, or that lack of unity, goes deeper than just earthly. When we fail to grow, we actually fail to realize and to keep that relationship alive with the one 
who has given us all. Paul is begging them to realize. You want to know who Paul is? He says, I'm nothing. You want to know who Apollos is? He's nothing. It's God who gives the increase. Paul realized his ministry was a gift from God. He was thankful for it, literally thanked God for it. If Paul was making a list of 100, I have no doubt in my mind that he would list the opportunity to be a minister because he thanks God for that opportunity. But he, he made no mistake. He clearly understood that he was nothing without God. Listen, our ministries that we're a part of, that's not what gives the increase. Wonderful elders that we have, they are not the ones that gives the increase. Ministers that we have, none of them are the ones who gives the increase. Dedicated deacons, they don't give increase. Teachers by the hundreds that fill these rooms every week, they do not give the increase. And whenever we start living our life as if that's all that matters, if the elders would just, would just get busy, if the teachers would just get busy, if everybody would just do their ministry the way it is, and if we're not careful, we separate everything we do from the only one that can produce the increase. Elders who give God all the glory, that's how increase is brought about. Ministers who do everything to point people to God. That's how increase comes about. Deacons that get busy serving because they want to help people take another step closer to God. Teachers that want to go in every week and share the holy living word of God. When everything we do, we realize there's no gimmick to it. There's no soft sail to it. There's no, no switch and bait to it. It's all about one thing. We want you to come to know God. We want you to grow closer to God. Paul, who are you? I'm the one that God has given me a gospel. He's given me a ministry. But you want to know who I am really? I'm nothing. It's God who gives the increase. Only the spiritual get it and live it. And the fleshly, they don't. This evening, I want you to think about if you don't grow spiritually, what's it going to do to your soul? If you don't grow spiritually, what's it going to do to your physical family? If you don't grow spiritually, what is it going to do to the church family? But think how powerful it is when you grow and the person next to you and on the other side of you and in front of you and behind you and they all grow. 
And think about when the culture of an entire congregation of God's people is. It's all about God. Let's learn His holy word. Let's love it. Let's live it. And what is produced is spiritual people. What's produced is growth. And what is produced is unity for an eternity. Tonight, I hope that all of us from the study of God's Word has found some kind of deeper level or at least a deeper level of contentment in God over these past few weeks. But I hope none of us ever become content to not be growing in our relationship with God. To not be growing in our knowledge of His Holy Word and how we apply that to our life. Content, but not complacent. If you are not right with God, do not be content. Do not leave here tonight without making sure that your soul is right with God. If you're ready to be baptized into Christ,